Monday, if um, if any of you are like me, I'm kind of feeling the lull <laughs> of a Monday because I had an extremely busy weekend. It was a very good weekend. It was a very productive weekend, but a busy weekend. So I think I have my second wind because I always get excited when I'm about to go on the air and spend time with you, um, our listeners. Um, that always gives me some, you know, some motivation. So um, what are we going to do tonight? Well, well, before I tell you what we're going to do, I'm going to tell you why my weekend was so busy. Um, I did announce in some of my previous shows that um, I was going to be involved with Bethany Incorporated again, that's a nonprofit organization in Washington, D.C., and um, we work very hard to combat and to minimize the homeless situation in Washington, D.C. Well, we had our 13th annual benefit on Saturday, and um, it was just, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. I was blessed with the opportunity to speak at the event. My daughter and my husband participated in the event with me. Um, my, my husband played in the band. My daughter brought her dance team. And it was just a great time of community, community of uh, fellowship and, um, and working towards a, a very good cause and a good goal. So that was Saturday. And then Sunday kind of carried over from Saturday because my daughter's dance team joined us um, in our work and our partnership with Ladder Rain World Outreach. Now, we had them on a couple of weeks ago. We had Pastor Daryl and Kimberly Elliott. So we joined them at uh, Fellowship on Sunday. And, oh, my goodness, the Spirit of the Lord uh, was just so, so strong. And the worship was just uh beautiful and and his presence just came in and we felt his presence and his love and there was worship in the house and there was deliverance in the house if y'all know me you know that i'm all about seeing people get set free 
set free. I am not interested in going to anybody's church service where it is dead, where the Spirit of God is not moving, where lives are not being transformed and changed. That is what we are all about um, at Lateran and Equipping the Saints. We want to see the people of God equipped to do the things that they are called to do with confidence, with boldness. And that takes the Holy Spirit. That takes the power of the Holy Spirit to help us do that. So anyway, that's what I was doing this weekend. And um, I started kind of feeling a little tired, you know, feeling like, oh, I could get back in the bed and just take me a good nap. But then I got reinvigorated and re-energized when I began to think about tonight's program. Now, we've been planning this since last uh, month, and um, if you saw my show page, then the caption read something like this, oil company prolongs 60 years of racism against black landowners in Chapter 11 bankruptcy case. So if I had to put this into one of our categories, um, the categories being life, love, and trauma, I would say that this has to fit into, um, I was going to say just two of the categories, but I'm actually going to go ahead and say all three because this is definitely a fact of life, okay? Racism is a fact of life. It is a part of the human condition. It is what happens to unregenerate beings. This is what happens to with and amongst people who have not been born again, who do not know the love of God. Okay? So this is definitely a life issue. Now the only reason I'm going to say it's a love issue is because God loves the oppressed. He loves the underdogs. He loves those that have been mistreated and abused. And I believe my effort to bring this to light as long as, as well as the um, person's story that I will be telling, I believe our efforts to bring this to life are a demonstration of God's love for those who have been affected by this very situation. I believe that we are in a season of change and that God is going to be exacting accounts. You know, so people can do wrong and they can do evil and it can seem like it's going to last forever. Um, sometimes these things do go on for generations, 40 years. You know, if you look at Bible stories, things happen for 40 years, things happen for hundreds of years before God stepped in. Now, in several of those cases, he foretold that it would take that long, and he foretold that these things would come to pass. But in his correct timing, in his godly timing, he stepped in, and he intervened, and he exacted those accounts. So that's the love of God at work, okay? Now, certainly this would fall in the category of trauma, traumatic, because the things that I'm about to describe to you have been very traumatic in people's lives for years, and they continue to have a traumatic effect on the current participants in this situation, okay? 
So I guess I can safely say that tonight's topic will fit into all three categories. My hubby, my partner in ministry and life, um, could not be with me tonight, so I'm going solo. I'm flying solo, (laughs) y'all. I'm so used to him that I miss him, but I'm very capable, so here I am. Um, I'm flying solo. And uh, the guest that I had lined up to to be on the air with me had an um, unexpected um, circumstance, and so he uh, could not be with me on the air. He could not be with me, you know, to speak on his own behalf, but he did give me permission to go ahead and share his story. That guest would have been Mr. Calvin Williams. Um, if you're listening, Mr. Williams, um, a shout-out to you, my brother. This is for you and for your family, okay? So I hope uh, and pray that I do it justice. Keep um, both my husband in your prayers and Mr. Williams in your prayers, okay? Now, i got to ask you a question. Do you have your tea? Do you have your tea, your coffee, your, you know, lemonade, whatever? You know I'm a tea drinker, so... I've got my tea. I've got my ginger lemongrass. Yes, my tea from Jamaica Mon. One of my favorites. It's become one of my favorites, so I'm drinking it again. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't know about y'all. If you're not ready, then wait for the break, okay, because you don't want to miss what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. Breaking news. Breaking news. Racism rears its ugly head again. Again, yes. At a time when our country is already in turmoil, um, and I say again only because this is a new situation for certain people that are involved in this, but it is not a new situation in this country. This This situation and this case actually go back years. Um, It goes back to the 1800s. It goes back to the time of the oil boom. And it goes back to the time uh, when slavery was introduced to uh, Texas and Louisiana. So it goes back for many, many years, it goes back to the time of Jim Crow and its implementation to continue the oppression um, of those people of color in that region. Now, in Mr. Williams' case, I believe and if he were on the air, he could correct me, that the majority of the people involved in Louisiana at the time were people of color that were black. I know specifically that his family is black. So let's get this party started. I, well, hold on a second. I didn't sip my tea, so give me just one second here. I had to wet my whistle a little bit. 
I learned of Mr. Williams, Calvin Williams, when I myself went on a website, and you can do this. You can go on the website yourself. Looks like I'm barely going to get into this. Actually, it's time for a break. (laughs) So you can do this yourself um, if you want. It's called the Garden City website. And if you look it up, it will say GCG, Garden City Group, or it'll say Samson Bankruptcy, GCG, Garden City Group. More after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Equipping the Saints Ministries. Our mission is to equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness, to create soldiers for the army of the Lord, and to impact our communities. We are home-based in Waldorf, Maryland. If you would like more information, you may email us at etsministriesinc at gmail.com or write to us at ETS Post Office Box 72, Waldorf, Maryland, 20602. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls and we can make information available to you by email. E-T-S The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, physical abuse, abandonment, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived traumas such as molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may find themselves in Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, or any of the major bookstores. The Story of Me. I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right, people, I was just getting ready to get into this subject matter, and I was telling you that you can find these documents that I'm going to be talking about and this information on the Garden City Group website. It is also known as a GCG website. 
um, Samson Resources is the company now known as Samson Resources 2. And because it's public knowledge, we feel that it's um, all, all, all game for us to talk about it. The case number is 15-11934. So you can look these up for yourself if you would like. Um, so I learned about Mr. Williams when I went on this site myself um, because I am connected to this case, and um, I'll tell you how and why at a later time um, because I'm going to um, tell you my story as well at a later time. But I wanted to give some of the other landowners and creditors an opportunity to share their stories um, in this case, because of the racial, um, the racial aspect of this case, I began to see the pattern um, as I saw the documents and read the stories and began to reach out and talk to some of the people. I began to realize that um, the majority of the people I talked to were people of color, and they just they happen to be black people. Okay, so. Um, this document, the first document that I'm going to share with you, was just kind of one of the one of the earlier dockets dockets that I remember seeing of Mr. Williams, and I believe there was one before this one that caught my attention. But this one, kind of, um, you know, I, I printed this one and I just got really really interested in what he had to say at this time. And so it says here, in regards Samson Resources Corporation, at all. Um, I am Calvin Williams, an owner and an interested party in the above legal matter. At this time, I would like to have Mary Ellen Denemy appointed as the third-party investigator. I have attached her credentials, curriculum vitae, for Mary Ellen Denemy. Here is thanking you in advance for your time in this matter. Respectfully, Calvin P. Williams. Well, what I discovered from this because I began to research Mrs. Denemy and what she was all about and I began to research the case itself more thoroughly and found out that this company, I had already knew that they had filed bankruptcy, a Chapter 11 bankruptcy, but there were issues in the bankruptcy concerning activity that was inappropriate and was... Um, illegal, that um, there was um, a report of monies being taken um, from this company's account, uh, lots of money, millions of dollars um, just prior to and in the process of the bankruptcy. There was activity that took place like transferring funds from one location to the other, things like that things that companies typically do when they're trying to hide monies and, you know, they, they, they don't want to be um, caught, let's just say, they don't want to be caught with this money in their pocket, but they want the money. So things that begin to happen that shouldn't happen. And so the U.S. trustee that was assigned to this case had submitted a motion for a third-party examiner. Mr. Williams jumped on that bandwagon and submitted this document in support of that third-party examiner. 
um, because he wanted answers. He wanted to know what was going on behind the scenes because he had an, uh, a personal interest in this case. And um, here's why. Here's why. That, um, let me see, that document I found around December 20, December 2215. This was 2015, okay? Several months later, I actually met Mr. Williams in court because I had to go to court and he had to go to court about his, his situation. Now, he's a landowner who submitted a proof of claim in this case. Um, representing himself and his family members, the Seamster heirs, okay? Um, After meeting him in court and hearing his story, his story at that time was a petition to the court to stop this company from selling his interest, I'm sorry, their interest in his wells, Um. I believe his family had an interest in 14 wells. I believe it was at least 14 wells that his family had an interest in. And we're talking oil wells here, okay? Well, in the course of this bankruptcy, this company had petitioned the court to sell certain assets. And some of it was property. Some of it was supposed to be interest in property. It was like a combination of things that they wanted to sell. And Mr. Williams was objecting to that because he had already been involved in a two-year battle trying to get information from this, from this company about the calculations and the um, terms of his lease and the royalties that were due him and his family. Okay, so let me see. Where do I let let me see? Before I tell you about the seamsters themselves, let me just tell you about document 832 because this was filed shortly after I met him in February of 2016. This was March of March 31, 16. And I began to follow his case closely again because of the the similarities to our and my situation. And so, of course, the oil company didn't like Mr. Williams objecting. Just by the way, um, he, won, he won that day in court. The judge upheld his request and said, no, you will not make this man and his family go through having to start all over and to fight with a new company to try to get the information that he's been trying to get from you. You will not do, I would not let you do that to this family. You will not. So Samson, of course, uh, objected to that decision and responded and ensued a battle. And basically the battle continued. But um, in response to Samson's response, this is what Mr. Williams came back with, and he said, response to Samson filing, Samson has not shown any proof that the leases have been held by production since 1959. Okay, so there was an issue with the leases involved with his wells. Number two, the title opinion shows that the leases have expired. Okay, 
This is an oil company that is making literally millions of dollars, millions of dollars. Um, when I began to do research and Mr. Williams began to do research, we found that they had actually reported making $98 million a month in one year alone, in one year alone. And that was either one or two years prior to filing this Chapter 11 bankruptcy. I don't have those notes in front of me, so I thought it was for the year 2015, but it, my, I believe it was, my brother said it was the year of 2014. But just one year prior to filing bankruptcy, they had made $98 million per month. Okay? You can find all this on the website. You can find all the documents listed. So the title opinions show that the leases have expired. Number three, the attached spreadsheet shows that the well that they have provided as proof actually did not have any production and could not hold the lease, and there's no evidence provided that the old wells continued producing, especially being that the wells were no longer producing as found in the Louisiana DNR reports okay there are there are guidelines that these companies are supposed to follow and if a well ceases to produce they're supposed to be plugged if they're supposed to be plugged they're supposed to notify the landowner there's like a whole you know a whole system of things that are supposed to take place all right um and um the problem with all of this is that those systems were not followed and 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 they had a don't care attitude about it okay and so here's number 4 the lease expires if there's no production so if the lease if the lease expired and because there was no production then that changes the picture drastically in terms of what the landowner is supposed to receive in terms of royalties you know comes issues with things like the oil company telling you well this is how much you're going to get paid but then when you begin to dig into it you find out that they don't even know how much you're supposed to get paid because their records aren't even straight okay number five samson does not have the right to sell my minerals as they are not even leased Samson does not even have the right to sell my minerals as they are not leased. All right? So things are starting to look a little shady here, a little suspect here. And that's the way it looks to me. <laughs> things are starting to look a little shady. All right? But I got to go to break. So um, get your tea. Your beverage, get ready, because I'll be back in a few. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. <laughs> 
a black nurse. This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes, dreams, needs, a purpose, and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from AuthorHouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like Amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, I'm back. I'm back, and I was telling you uh, some of the background about this story and what's going on with Mr. Williams and his family and Samson Resources, okay? So why am I talking about this? Because as as the story unfolds, you'll begin to see the um, traumatic aspect of this, and you'll begin to see the oppressive aspect of this, and you'll begin to see the racist, racist attitude in this. Okay, so Mr. Williams' family, they had filed proof of claims in this Chapter 11 bankruptcy alleging fraud, theft, and misappropriation of funds. And as you can see from Mr. Williams' comments that I read to you, it's already looking pretty pretty shady here. The leases have been held by, I'm sorry, there's... They have not shown any proof that the leases have been held by production since 1959. Here we are in 2017 now, but at the time, this was 2015, okay? The title opinion shows that the leases have expired. The attached spreadsheet shows that the wells have been provided as proof. Actually did not have any production. Samson does not have the right to sell my minerals as they are not leased, all right? So then let's talk a little bit about the Seamster heirs. And I'm reading from Mr. Williams, another one of Mr. Williams' documents. Um, Oh, brother, I had the the number, and I did not write it on here, but um, maybe I can get it to you before we end this program. But this is his... Notice of appeal, because like I said, a battle ensued. Mr. Williams won in February. He won his motion, but Samson came back with a counter response and submitted additional evidence that um, they said proved that they had the right, you know, to 
his minerals that they said proved that they held the lease. Mr. Williams, um, through a series of events, investigated that and found out that that was another lie and they they were not even telling the truth about that. They only presented a portion of the story so that it could look like they knew what they were talking about, but he found evidence to find to prove that that was even wrong. So um, he continued his court battle, which at that point um, the judge actually found in his favor that this was, an improper situation, um, that there was no statute of limitations on this situation. The reason being, here we go, here we go. Let me let me read to you a little bit about the history of the Seamsters family. So it says, <clears throat> my 1936 property deed shows warranty and guarantee with no one having an interest in the minerals. No one else, he's saying, no one else besides the Seamster family. Further, it warranties against all former proprietors, and this violation constitutes criminal trespass. And he cites Louisiana laws. 2011 Louisiana law, Title 14, criminal law. And it goes on to say, no person shall enter any structure, watercraft, or movable property owned by another without express, legal, or implied authorization. This is what they were doing to people back in those days, okay? From the mid-1800s on, this is what they were doing to the people who lived in those areas. D. Marshall Leroy Connell initiated the lease with my grandfather. Mr. Williams is speaking of his grandfather, but used his middle name to conduct legal business, thereby creating an alias and not signing the lease itself. Will Seamster had no schooling. If you know anything about American history, and the history of slavery, and the oppression that it caused, and the subjugation that it caused, and how the quote-unquote Negro, as they were called, were not permitted to have an education, were not permitted to learn how to read and write. So Mr. Seamster had no schooling and could not read nor write, so he was intentionally disadvantaged regarding his rights keeping with the various laws made up through Jim Crow at the time, which denied blacks the basic fundamentals of being a human being. I say that with passion because it makes my blood boil. Even now, when I read and hear the stories of some of the cruelty and the wickedness that mankind is capable of. He goes on to say, my grandfather was prohibited from questioning anything, in caps, anything. 
you couldn't question he couldn't question what was what was being done to him he's presented with this lease he can't even read or write but you know what in those days you better sign it you better sign it with your ex or else they would get rid of you do away with you end your life in your children's life do whatever they had to do to take it from you. My husband's father told him stories about being a sharecropper. Being a sharecropper, and I think he was from Oklahoma. I want to say Oklahoma. Dad, please forgive me if I'm wrong about that. I should know that by now. But how they would work throughout the harvest season and they would have a supposed agreement for the amount that they were going to get for their crops. But when they finished working and when they finished harvesting those crops, they would bring it to the man and the man would change the amount and tell him, this is all I'm giving you, take it or leave it. Put the gun on the table to solidify the deal to seal the deal. In other words, you better not say nothing because if you do, I'll end this right now. Well, Mr. Seamster couldn't say anything. I had conversations with Mr. Williams in which he told me that he, first of all, didn't even know about this history. His, he and his family didn't even know about this history. That was another injustice that was done to many of the black families because of the dysfunction that was woven into the family, because of the separation that was caused, because of the pitting one another against each other. You know, some family members didn't even know their history, didn't even know their their ancestors and their history. So he didn't even know about this until 2013, okay? Him and a big portion of his family didn't even know about this. But when they found out, they began to ask questions. They began to ask the company questions about this lease, about the terms of the lease, about their royalties, and, of course, Modern day, this is a modern day thing I'm talking about, people. Samson Resources didn't care for that. Didn't like it one bit. But today, thank God, we have more resources available to us, and we do have more freedoms, and we do have more freedom of speech than there was then. Things are not all good. They're not without struggle. Racism continues to exist, but we do have more advantages than we had then. And Mr. Williams continued to research this situation. Now, from what I know, let's see, let me, before I say that, let me say the final sentence that he says, I submit to this honorable court that this is precisely how the Seamster property was stolen and the theft against us occurred. And he gives docket 1446. If you're interested, it's there. Look it up. Okay? Now, let me read to you. Let's see if I can find... In my notes, I um, remember from conversations with him that 
his family is approximately 25 people deep, 25 people strong, descendants of Will Seamster, okay? His people own land in the West Webster Parish in Louisiana. As I said earlier, 14 wells associated with this land. The discrepancy occurred because Mr. Williams did not even know about the situation. Around 2013, he received some sort of notification about it in the mail, him and his family members. Um, they also received very, very, very small checks. Now, I'm tell- remember I told you that these people made $98 million a month, $98 million a month. You can find those documents in that, in that website. But this family was only receiving pennies compared to that. So Mr. Williams began to ask questions. And before you know it, Samson files bankruptcy. The, the heavier it gets, the deeper it gets, they decide it's time to file bankruptcy. Oh, they said, you know, the oil industry is suffering, um, the cost of oil and this and that and the other. And, you know, and so they they didn't file a Chapter 7 to completely liquidate and go out of business. They filed a Chapter 11 to reorganize and to restructure. While filing the Chapter 11, they had CEOs and higher-ups that had also submitted petitions for their bonuses that they wanted within the bankruptcy. They still wanted their $750,000 bonuses. (laughs) Okay. Mr. Williams told me that family members shared stories with him of life and death situations that they had to leave Louisiana in the midst of the night, running for their lives because people were being lynched. Yes, lynched. More after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day. Not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences. Who would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com. This show's host page, amazon.com and any major bookstore overcoming sexual abuse. This is the TokiNet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. Is there more living for you to do? 
yet. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, Trisha Goyer, that's G-O-Y-E-R dot com. Trisha's vision is to be a voice of hope and possibility for teenage girls, pregnant teens, mothers, and wives. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people. Yes, this is Diane Jones, and I am talking about the ugly face of racism and what the Bible calls respect of persons, what is known as oppression. You know, racism is a sin issue. It's not a political issue. It's not just just a cultural issue. It becomes a cultural issue, but it is a sin issue. It is a matter of the condition of people's hearts. It's what people do when they are not born again, when they are unregenerated. They fight and devour one another because they imitate their father, who is Satan, who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, I'm talking about people owning land and property, and someone else decides, I want your land and property. Why? Because all of a sudden the oil boom hit, and the Anglo, as some sources would call them, and or the white man, as others would call them. Uh, I believe the Indians had a term for them. The name would be pale face. <laughs> but these people decided, oh, we want your land because now there's oil on your land. And we're going to do whatever it takes for us to get it from you. So Mr. Williams reported that someone named, a man named, a white man named Sam Wilson was behind the Seamsters family um, because they were next in line to the land and the minerals. In I, I'm not exactly sure how they were next in line, but they, they felt like they had the right to that land in some way. So in 1951, they had to literally, the Seamstress family had to literally run for their lives because there was a threat on their lives by those that thought they should have the land. 
Okay. So let me read some more to you from Mr. Williams' appeal. The battle continued back and forth. Um, Mr. Williams continued to fight for his family's inheritance and their rights and to restore the rights of the Seamster family back to them. The paperwork indicated that these were gas wells, but yet the lease indicated that these were oil and gas wells, but the Seamster family was only being paid for gas, and mind you, that was only pennies. Okay. Now, when all this was brought to the attention of Samson Resources by way of these documents, Mr. Williams went to the courts, went to the location of these uh, wells, took pictures, um, brought these documents back, submitted them to the court, had a hearing, presented his case, uh, let me see how much of that I can get in here before I tell you the outcome of that case. Uh, let me go back to Section E in his Notice of Appeal. It says, in March of 1981, a title opinion was submitted by the debtors. That would have been Sampson. That's docket 795. This title opinion itself lists the servitudes and the dates they were created. F. 2006, Louisiana, Title 31. A mineral servitude under Louisiana oil and gas law is extinguished if it is not used within 10 years and is then returned to the title out of which it was created. Okay? Louisiana law holds that after 10 years of non-use, servitudes are extinguished and returned back to the title which it was created. The mineral servitudes were created between December 1935 and August 1936. Under Louisiana oil and gas law, these servitudes would expire in 10 years if not used, we hold that these servitudes were in fact extinguished for non-use as the fraudulent lease wasn't in fact created till 1949. 425-1949. So you see what's happening here, people? The company was operating on a lease where the servitudes involved with that lease had been expired for some time. The lease wasn't even created until 1949. The lease wasn't even created. Okay. Actually, while I'm speaking, Mr. Um, Williams is giving me some, some information here since he couldn't be on the air, and this is great. So let me read what he says here. They bought a little shack of a house on Detroit's west side. They were to come and get established and then send back for the little ones in Louisiana. But 1964 is supposed to have changed things. The three oldest boys were the biggest threats. So to Detroit they ran and did establish themselves. But by then... The whites had already made several laws against blacks, but first my folks had to learn to read and write, spell and count, and here I am today, 
some 68 years later. He's trying to right the wrongs that were done to his family. They left the area to, to try to, you know, make things better for themselves, to try to learn, to try to learn how to read and write, um, hoping to go back and reclaim their land and their situation. But by then, laws were put in place to protect the evildoers, okay? Laws were put in place to protect the evildoers. The lease, the fraudulent lease, wasn't even created until 1949. He goes on to say, the debtors have no valid lease with the Seamster's heirs, and the lease that they claimed to hold with us was fraudulently created just four months shy of the servitudes being expired for three years for non-use. All right? So in summary, since 2013, on behalf of the Seamster heirs, I have researched question and appeal to Samson to justify their fraudulent business practices to no avail. And I finally proved the allegations we have against them in court. Initially, we cashed the checks because this is where the issue came in at. The judge, Mr. Williams, proved his case that the leases were no good, the servitudes had expired, that there was no statute of limitations that could allow Samson to continue this, that his family could not legally even object because of the situation at the time. They were victims. They were victimized. They could not even object, so the statute of limitations didn't hold. But where they lost the hearing at was because Mr. Williams' family had cashed some of those few little dollars of checks in an effort to pursue their case, they cashed some checks because, you know what, it takes money. It takes money. It takes moolah to come up against a company like this, even in a bankruptcy situation, because you have to still mail documents. You still have to print documents. You still have to type documents. If you can afford it, you're supposed to have a lawyer. Mr. Williams has done this pro se. He has represented himself because he couldn't even afford a lawyer. So, you know, this is the disadvantage. The laws were put in place to protect people like Samson, who have the cheddar, who have the money to do what they're doing, but they're doing it fraudulently and illegally. And they're making the money so that they can continue the subjugation, so that they can continue the oppression. Okay, so on that technicality, Samson argued that if you're cashing the checks, then basically you're saying the lease is good, that you have accepted the terms of this lease, and that's where he lost in the hearing. And he went to appeal, and he went to the appeal, and he says, initially we cast the checks Samson issued us because we thought the monies were due us and we had little understanding of the oil and gas industry. As we sought to understand the particulars related to the payments we received, we began to discover the fraud. We had no 
we had to rely on the monies received, even though the amounts were very small, just to make ends meet and to seek justice concerning this matter. Now, I'm going to digress here because I want to say this before I run out of time. If you are listening to this story and it makes your blood boil like it makes mine boil and you want to do something about this, you want to help in some way, then we invite you, we invite you to send financial support. We invite you, if you have legal expertise, if you're an attorney and you're wanting to fight a worthy cause, um, if you can work pro bono to help Mr. Williams out, because he's not alone, there are other landowners involved, people of color, whose families' rights and inheritance has been stolen from them. Contact us at ETS Ministries Inc. at gmail.com. We'll get a hold of Mr. Williams for you. We'll put him in touch with you. And I know that he would appreciate your help. More on our next broadcast.